0: Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Todd Ringler, and Todd is Edelman's managing director and U.S. head of earned media. We talk about the important transition from being a media relations professional to being a media person and how owned content can be leveraged to pitch stories. Todd makes a really important point in our conversation that we've entered into the era of earning a stakeholder's attention. He calls it thumb-stopping power because we're constantly scrolling through our feeds on our phone. Can your brand make someone stop scrolling and engage? I want to take a moment and thank you for listening to this podcast. Audio occupies a really important place in the attention economy. You've made it this far in the episode, and because Todd is super smart, you're likely to listen for another 25 minutes or so. What other content and media can capture your attention for 25 consecutive minutes? You might scroll 300 feet in a day, but you probably don't scroll for 25 consecutive minutes. Many people think of podcasts as an ad-supported consumer play with distribution to Apple and Spotify, but the implications for businesses are huge. Audio allows for deeper, more meaningful conversation with thought leaders, colleagues, partners, and employees. It's an authentic, portable, and asynchronous way to communicate. I can't think of a better employment engagement strategy than creating internal audio content, but the challenge for most organizations is that they don't have a good way to share that content with security and analytics. Venly is an audio platform that is built for business communications. Seamlessly collaborate on player design and security requirements and share content to your existing channels of communication. Are you a Slack culture, Teams, SharePoint? Share your content there and get listener insights on every piece of published content. Curious about how audio can play a role in how you capture the attention of your business partners? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, b-r-i-a-n, at venly.co. .co. And now, the fascinating Todd Ringler. Hi, Todd. Hello. Todd Ringler is Edelman's Managing Director and Head of U.S. Earned Media. A 30-year media relations veteran, Todd has been the lead media strategist on some of the highest profile campaigns, announcements, and issues in the corporate health and consumer industries. Todd formally established Edelman's first dedicated sector-specific media unit, and grew the team into a global industry leading media relations network before moving into his current role leading the agency's overall media efforts across the united states he has directed hundreds of multi-channel corporate reputation campaigns product launches and recalls as well as executive positioning programs over the course of his career todd has also managed an array of crisis and consumer facing initiatives for some of the most successful and embattled multinational and fortune 500 companies. Todd is motivated by the immense challenge of understanding and operating in today's highly complex media environment and is continuously evaluating the most effective ways of working with media in all of its forms to achieve business results for his clients. He has been the recipient of numerous industry awards, including the Black Sabre Award for Best in Show, Can Gold and Silver Lions, and PR Week's Corporate Campaign of the Year, among many others. Todd, thanks for being with me. Uh,
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Being on a yacht during Cannes is, is an aspirational thing for me. Is that, is that a fun thing to do?
1: I got to say, I have never been to Cannes in all the years that I've been at Edelman and watched my colleagues go and report back on both official and unofficial channels. Uh, it's, I've always been jealous, but I also know that when you're at events like that um, for companies like mine, and uh, it's a lot of work. It's not, a, it's not a big party. It's a lot of work, a lot of networking, and a lot of stressing, right? You want to win. So um, it's, a, it's a, a double-edged sword. I would love to go, but I don't know if I uh, would want to be as tired as I know I would be when I get back.
0: So years ago, you might have defined your role as media relations, but you now call yourself a media person. Can you talk a little bit about that shift and why you think that matters heading into the future?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, when I first started this back in 1990, you know, it was media relations and it was all about that kind of second part of it. It was relationships. It was knowing the media, building those relationships long term and working with those reporters to get messages out, to get your story out through the filter, so to speak. Right. You had to sell it in. They had to sell it in then it had to be written and edited, then it got out. In 2008, I recall making a presentation to a group of communicators and executives in London where I stood up and said, you know, the world is changing, right? So in 2008, Facebook was what, like four years old, Twitter, I think, was two years old. And there was these growing platforms and we saw a fundamental change starting to kind of sprout up from the ground, which was different platforms in different places that people were speaking to one another that were taking their attention away from mainstream media. Now, you know, a lot of us grew up, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, there were three networks there were some major newspapers and there was a whole bunch of really important regional newspapers, you know, spending a lot of time in Boston, the Boston Herald and the Boston globe and the Boston business journal were just as important to everything you did as, as, as the New York times and the wall street journal. And the thing that we saw was attention had started to move away from them. And that we saw that these were other channels where people were turning. So, took us away from the idea of just earning coverage that was always going to be part of it it was never going to go away. media relations was always going to be a thing but as these channels expanded you know and as, as what we would say the media universe expanded right the way people talk to each other and consume information um, started to fundamentally change. And I remember my first slide was the word media in kind of wavy letters, um, which took all of my design talent that I ever had to muster up how to create that. Um, But I said, look, media is morphing. And the way that we have known it has worked and how we work it is changing and it's going to continue to change And as it changes, it's going to get faster and faster. Now, in 2008, I was probably a little bit over my skis and kind of getting more into prognostication than what I could prove. But in my communications heart of hearts and gut and watching the trends and seeing what was being written about these social platforms, it seemed unmistakable that these things were going to grow. And that's where I at some point I said, you know, I, I, I am a media relations guy, but I see myself as a media person because what's going to happen is going to expand well beyond what reporter I know at which outlet and what kind of relationship I have with them is going to expand into how I think about story and how I think about getting somebody's attention versus getting somebody coverage it feels like it's both simultaneously
0: expanding and contracting. And so the era of earning coverage for your client partners maybe has gone. And I know you feel strongly about entering into this era of earning attention. When you talk
1: with colleagues and partners, what do you mean by earning attention? Um, Well, first, let me go back to something you just said, Brian, which is this idea that it's expanding and contracting at the same time. You know, our founder, owner, Richard Edelman is out there talking about the contraction of the the media market, the percentage of reporters that have lost their jobs, the number of local papers and uh, outlets that have shuttered. At the same time, what is not often talked about is those reporter jobs are being replaced by product managers, by product developers, by studio people and creatives that are coming into these media organizations and are looking for ways to expand their content, monetize their content, and create new ways for them to engage with audiences. So yeah, it's contracting in some places. And yes, as you said, it's expanding. But what I don't think people watch for is expanding how and expanding with what type of talent and then how that fundamentally changes their business model, which then changes their editorial direction and their channel and content production. So it changes the game altogether, which leads back to the question you just asked, which is about earning attention, right? In today's society, right, the the figure is the average person scrolls through 300 feet of content a day. That's a lot of thumbing right? That's a lot of scrolling on your screens and looking at content. So we talk about thumb stopping power. How do I get someone to stop on what they see, push with their thumb and go to the next level? Now, I've, I've earned your attention for the moment. How do I maintain your attention? How do I get you to engage with that article? How do I make that information relevant enough that you're going to stick with it for more than three to five seconds and and perhaps even get far enough into the article that you think it's interesting enough to share with the others in in your network. And that earning that attention sounds a lot easier than it is. And you think about the relevancy that you have to have to do that. But it's not just about earning the attention now and, and as you well know, um, Edelman and its trust barometer in its 20 years has been you know a hallmark and a foundation of our organization and what we believe and we talk about what we call earned reimagined you know the idea of how you earn attention to earn the trust of your audiences and That doesn't always come through the media, right? Or the the mainstream media, as we would think of it normally. It can come through any one of your social platforms, it can come through any one of the mainstream outlets, or it could literally come from one individual who has an idea that catches fire or a video, right? The, you know, the infamous viral video that so many clients say, how do you make a video go viral? It's like, if I had that answer, I would be a billionaire and I wouldn't have to talk to you about it. Um, But it is a, a universe in which story can start anywhere information can come from anywhere and start to move the discussion and dynamic. And if you're going to bring and introduce a client's story into that environment, you have to think about that relevancy and that stickiness and that thumb-stopping power to earn their attention, to earn their trust. And that is something that fundamentally, as a 30-plus-year media relations guy who still gets giddy every time he sees a story in you know, print and a publication despite the fact that maybe four people read it, Um, you know, I still love it, but I know that that's not the end all be all. And, you know, to, you know, not to be, I don't know, ageist about it, but a lot of our clients who've risen through the ranks who are senior level executives still see the wall street journal, the New York times, CNBC, the financial times, these are the places you're supposed to be. These are the places that everyone that influenced the world and the reality of it is they have a ton of meaning and a ton of influence, but if they're not the audience you're going after, it doesn't matter. You know, if I'm going after 22 year olds who are looking for exciting things to do on the weekend, a story about it in the wall street journal, isn't going to help me. So all of those things around relevancy and audience and uh, engagement all add up into this notion of earning attention and earning trust is, is where we are. We, we left the era of earning coverage as being the end-all be-all. I know
0: you feel strongly that there are channels out there that have nothing to do with earned media that support an earned media strategy. Is this an example of what you mean by earned reimagined, or is there a more practical example that you can point to?
1: Yeah, I would say it's a more practical example. I mean, our our earned reimagined actually has several meanings within Edelman that I won't dive into because it, it just gets too deep in the weeds. But you think about these channels that that can help advance story. And a lot of it kind of comes in different forms, right? Like certainly influencers and and people on, on Instagram that can help engage an audience with good visuals and good content, TikTok, right? You know, all of these ways that you can help develop buzz around your brand is meaningful. And, and just like Twitter, and I know, you know, we talked about it, you know, before we went on air here about the the use of Twitter and how it's a place for journalists, right? Journalists are out there. And there's just a couple of recent surveys that, you know, something like 70 or 80% of journalists are out there saying that they use Twitter to troll for story ideas. They use There's something like 60% will go to a company's social channels when you pitch them or when they're thinking about a story about them to see how active they are are they consistent in their message have they talked about this subject before and they talked about it intelligently so they're looking on these social channels and say that you know that's a more maybe a more corporate example or you know but you know if you're in the hospitality or food industry you know they want to see how you've shown up on your Insta page or your Facebook page? And what's the engagement been around that, right? Going back to that business model of of these media organizations, I know reporters, if they go on and look at a story around a similar subject that hasn't gotten the page views or the engagement, they know that chances are it's not going to work for them either And there's no reason to pursue that because they need to build their own brand as much as they need to advance the brand of the outlet they're working for. So all these social channels and the engagement become a resource and a barometer for whether or not a story can work or not. I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that I've done with uh, one of my uh, medical institution clients is using some analytic tools I can look at spikes in their Facebook engagement. And when I see something that's abnormal, I click in deeper and I see, well, what did they post that day or that week that got so much engagement? What was the story about? What was the post about? And then I'll look across their competitor set and see what are they getting spikes on? And often there's some interesting red threads that go, through those and those are like become story ideas if that story got that much attention on that platform why can't i borrow from that and repurpose that type of angle for a media outlet for a reporter for a pitch and say you know what had this idea for a story about X, Y, or Z. And they're like, well, you know, it's kind of been written It's like, well, I can tell you right now, looking on metrics that across multiple organizations, similar style stories have generated X amount of engagement. So it is a story of interest to readers. And there's no reason that you writing the story can't generate Twice that, 10 times that because you have a different distribution mechanism and a wider audience to speak to. So all of these types of things are ways that you can look at how do these social channels help build your earned media advantage? How do they help uh, elevate your stories and elevate your profile in a way that helps you across all your spheres is absolutely doable. It's important. We talk to clients again and again, if there's not synergy between your social channels and what you're trying to pitch through earned channels, you're you're basically going in with one arm tied behind your back. There has to be synergy. And I know you know, we as an agency are in many situations working with multiple other agencies, which is absolutely fine. Cooperation and collaboration and service in the name of the client is what we're all there for, or at least should be there for. But when you can't get the bridges built into synergy, either because the internal client has different mechanisms or different personalities, or the external agencies are vying for more pieces of the pie, it becomes detrimental to the overall success of campaigns because if those two things aren't driving together, they're not taking advantage of how the ecosystem works and what can propel things forward.
0: You're describing something of a pendulum right, between owned and earned, how one leads to the other. And, and when I hear you talk about it, like it makes a ton of sense. I have I'm the CEO of a small startup. Like when I think about how to apply this type of blueprint to my own business, I get completely overwhelmed. So what's it what's your what's your counsel to someone like me who maybe doesn't have like all the robust tools and doesn't have like a team fully dedicated to owned content and someone pitching the media? How can I leverage sort of the owned and earned channels against one another when it's a little bit scrappier? Do you have any any insights into that?
1: Yeah, well, trust me, Brian. I'm overwhelmed too every day. Um, it is, you know, because the environment is so fragmented and is so so dynamic and moves so fast that you know what I might recommend, you know, in March may be very different than what I think at the end of May. Um, but how you can activate this at I say your level and, the, you know, as you say, the kind of a scrappy level is first you want to make sure that you have the basics built that are speaking to your audiences, right? So for your podcast, you know, I would still think that Twitter is a very important place for you to be talking to communicators and talking to the people that communicators talk to that just making sure that you have the right channel set up and then have the right editorial cadence of putting information out. What doesn't work is just building a channel and then showing up every once in a while and poking something out. I I freely admit that I am, I am guilty of that with my own Twitter handle. Like I kind of get wrapped up in my business day and oftentimes don't remember to, you know, tweak things out and, and maintain my profile out there. That's a, that's my own mistake. But we advise clients, right, is that you need an editorial calendar to think about what you're putting out. So there's regular information going out and keeping your profile up, thinking about, you know, things that you should be retweeting, topics that you should be retweeting that are not your owned content going out, but other content of interest to the people who would follow you to help showcase your um, awareness and situational awareness around the, the industry that, that you're in. So that's a fundamental right of making sure that you're not just sitting around and thinking about, oh, I should tweet that or tweet this. And when you thought of it, you know, it's, it's actually being thoughtful about knowing what things you definitely have, right? You definitely have a podcast that comes out You know, so, you know, you can, you can share that, but then what are you doing in between that, that, that can be done and it doesn't need to be done by you. I mean, you can very, very easy to have any other person involved with your, with your business, make sure that they're, you know, here's the topics, here's the keywords you should be looking for. Here's the other people you should be following and, and be thoughtful throughout the day and throughout the week to keep your your presence up. So that's like a that's a baseline easy one, small, scrappy, you know, build an editorial calendar as and think of those things as the bricks and then look to be smart on the mortar, right? to to, to maintain a presence. Now, if you're a larger organization with resources and agencies and channels, you know, then same thing has to happen you want to look at developing an editorial calendar that again is built around moments but then also has the filler in between that keeps speaking to the audiences that you want to speak to you want to have coordination and and synergy between all of those things they don't all have to be the same thing all the time but i see companies make the mistake a lot of times where they'll take a post that they put up on you know, Instagram, and they use the same post on Facebook or vice versa, Um, or they'll take a snippet of their LinkedIn thing and just tweak that out, which is actually, that's okay. But you can't just take the same content and flow it across all your channels. Channels have different formats. People are looking for different things. You know, what I look for on Facebook or what I look for on Twitter is not what I look for on Instagram. So making sure that you're still cognizant of how you're showing up on those channels is super important. So when we talk to clients about, you know, all of these things, again, going back to that 360 communication, stories can start anywhere. Your audiences are looking at anywhere between six to eight different channels on a regular basis to get everything from their entertainment to their information and hard news and everything in between. And they obviously don't just look at six channels, they're looking at you know 60 channels um, and they have multiple screens going. They're on their phone, they're on their computer, the TV's running in the background. So the notion of having the channels all work together, for large organizations, those are the things that we talk to them about. For the smaller companies and startups, you know, we try to make sure that we get the basics done right, know where their audiences are or, or primary audiences is, and then dial the program towards that. You know, I'm sure that most people who listen to you and you've heard of you know, the fervent thousand, right? The fervent thousand is more powerful than the passive 100,000. And that remains true for how you dial your, all of your channels towards your audiences. I'm not
0: saying you're long winded, but you did inspire me during that answer to like a couple comments on Facebook, comment on something on LinkedIn and send out a tweet. So I've done, I've done my social posting for today. Perfect. How do you advise companies on making the most of their own content?
1: Good question. You know, a lot of companies create excellent material that they put on their websites. And that's fantastic. If you're already thinking about how to create video and create visual storytelling and putting things up that are of value to the people who follow your company, that's step one. Good job. However, the world is not about destination anymore. I don't surf into your website to look to see what you put up. There has to always be the thought about exportation, distribution. How do I make my own content move? and Not just through reposting on social channels, but what's my distribution mechanism to make sure that it's getting out to audiences and it's not just on my destination platform. And we've done a number of really innovative things where we talk about retargeting, you know, earned, exposed retargeting. So people who have read a story about your company can then be retargeted with content that you have on your site. You can use paid to make sure that that information is then being served back up in front of those people in different formats different mechanisms different different stories that can then further advance what they've already read further move them along the continuum of of awareness to engagement to action right to conversion depending on your business so your own content is great It works on your page and it helps build out your page, but you should always be thinking about how do I make it leap off this page and become a dynamic tool in my communications arsenal.
0: Todd, thank you again for your time and your wisdom today. If you like this episode, you will love my next conversation with Lindsay Johnson. Lindsay is the Director of Internal Communications at FICO. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, with Lindsay.